Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan Podcast. So today, we have a very special guest on. We have Jennifer Thornton here with us, and she's the founder of 304coaching.com. Jennifer is really an incredible person. We just had a great conversation before this, and she's really um, keen on providing value for the people for the show. So I'm really excited to have her talking about Really, we're going to be covering the entrepreneurial addiction is what I would call it. And I loved this title. I'm just going to read it because it was, it was amazing. So your addiction to being right is slowly killing your team and your business results. And that is totally going to be the title of this show, just so you know, Jennifer. Um, I didn't even have to work for that one, which is great. But so say what's up, Jennifer, and then tell us one thing about yourself that most people wouldn't know. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I think the, you know, that's always a difficult question because I'm somewhat of an open book, but the one thing that people probably don't know about me is that um, for the last couple of years, I've made it a goal to make some sort of donation or volunteer for an organization 12 months out of 12 months every single year. And I'm in three years into that. Um, and most people probably don't know that um, I make a point to do that and to remember to do that every single month. I actually have it on my calendar. I love that. Well, and so it's scheduled in. So you're a very, you're a very scheduled person. That's what it sounds like. You've got a very good um, life structure, I guess you could say. I'm totally the opposite. I am like a, a loose gun, right? Loose cannon. So I want to ask you this though. What was, what's been your favorite one that you've worked with so far? Because you've worked with quite a few different charities and everything. What's, what's been your favorite? Um, so my favorite charity is out of New York. I'm in Dallas, but it's out of New York. It's a, um, a dog rescue. And one of my friends here in Texas um, rescues mama dogs that are about to have puppies out of the shelters. And then the dog has all the puppies and my friend takes care of all of them and gets them all healthy and then we transport them up to New York where they find amazing homes. And um, I um, don't have the ability to foster, but I support her foster addiction <laughs> month after month month after month. <laughs> okay. Here's money and here's people. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's, that made me curious because I know that there's, it's really fun to see the different ones that pull your heartstrings, right? And the ones that really kind of call you, I guess. And I feel like everybody's kind of got certain ones that they're called to. So that's always fun to ask. Well, Jennifer, let's hop into business now. I do want to know about 304 coaching. This is something, uh, and I had to say 304, so it's not 304. That just sounds kind of blame, honestly. <laughs> 304 coaching. Um, so give us a little bit of, of background on your company and what you're trying to do, and then we'll kind of get into some of the nitty gritty here. Yeah. So my background before I launched my own organization was um, in operations for half of my you know, traditional corporate career and then HR for the second half of my corporate career. So I have a really interesting take on how do we create teams because the operation person inside of me wants to make sure that we're hitting our objectives, that you know we're focusing on the business and the business plan. But then the HR side of me thinks, well, the only way to do that is through talent. And so I took kind of that viewpoint and that's how I walked into starting my own company. And what we do today is we help fast growing organizations really find a way to develop their team. So the teams grow faster than business does. The struggle most companies have when they grow really fast is the business actually outgrows the skill of their team. And when that happens, then you start leading um, through stress and 
crisis, um, highly directive leadership. And when that starts to happen, your best people aren't going to stick around um, or your best people are not going to and think about how to really help you drive the business. Um, you're losing your top talent. The ones you're left with are the yes, sir, you know, I am kind of folks um, and they aren't driving new ideas. Um, and so I just, I wanted to help people prevent that from happening and really help them understand how to drive their talent against their business strategy. So at the end, the business doesn't stop growing because you don't have the right people, that it actually grows because you do have the right people in the right place. That is awesome. And so really you're focusing around helping bring like people together through values and through mission-driven purposes, what it sounds like. I mean, you're attracting the right people. This is going to be a fun conversation. So I've been doing my MBA in the evenings. So I've always wanted to do it. I'm doing it through the Jack Welch Management Institute and he's his whole... Uh, Jack Welch's whole premise is, is about values and mission. And you probably know all about his strategy being in that sector. But so this is going to be exciting. I'm, I'm, fun for, I'm excited for this one. So let me ask you this, Jennifer. When you decided to make your transition out of corporate America, what was the first business you did and did it succeed? Or is this the first one you did? This is the first one I did. Um, I spent about here uh, planning it out and trying to figure out what I was going to do. How was I going to pay the bills? How was it going to come together? What did I want it to look like? A lot of ideation and just putting things in place. Um, what my business looks like today and what it looked like when I launched is different. It's evolved, um, but it is actually the business that I always dreamed of having. So I feel really fortunate that you know the work I put into launching this business has paid off and I've been able to up every day and do what I love. I love that. That's what it's all about, right? Well, so good stuff. Now, I was just kind of curious if you had done other businesses before and like had your had your first big failure yet. <laughs> um, maybe you'll you'll dodge the bullet and just just make it right. So I do oh, want to ask. I've got you, plenty in my closet. Lots of failures in the closet. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> we want Delph Huge into that. That's not the whole point of this podcast. But um, so. You know, let's talk a little bit about the addiction. I love the word addiction to being right. It's like that phrase because, I mean, as an entrepreneur, I'm not the kind of person that like pushes my opinions on other people, but I, as the owner of the company, I do tend to run into this problem where I'm just like, well, this is just the way we're going to do it because it was my idea, right? <laughs> and when we work with contractors, it's a little bit easier because we don't have any full-time employees. So I do want to kind of get your take on that because most of the people listening to this probably don't have a really big... Um, in-house team. So let's talk a little bit to that and then I'll just let you kind of free flow from there. Awesome. So the reason why we call it an addiction is it is an addiction. Um, we know that when you are right or you win or something good happens that you kind of said, hey, I want to do this and it happens, you get a dopamine hit in your mind and who doesn't love a good dopamine hit? It makes us feel good. Um, but it's the exact same um, firing off of that dopamine that when if we were addicted to sugar or addicted to alcohol or whatever our addiction of choice, it's the exact same you know process inside of our mind. So what happens is if we... Um, continue to be right, just like if we love sugar and that's our addiction, we need more and more to get that same high. Being right is the exact same thing. When we start to get addicted to it, we need more and more of it to be right. And so, you know, I think of people I've worked with early in my career and they were amazing. They were open-minded and really collaborative and they, because they were so good, they started to rise the ranks. And then, you know, 10 years into their career, I'm like, I don't even know that person anymore. Like they don't listen anymore. They used to be so collaborative and, 
And then, you know, once I really started studying the neuroscience and the mind and how it played out in the workplace, I realized it's because they became addicted to being right. And that addiction um, stops you from hearing things. It stops you from hearing the truth. Um, it, you will um, do anything to not have your drug taken away from you. And it is a true addiction. And just like addiction to sugar or substance or any of that can be hurtful to family and loved ones, our addiction to being right can be hurtful to our business. And honestly, it can be um, hurtful to our family and friends too. Yeah. And and the way you put it is really interesting because it's it's kind of like... Uh, an addiction to validation or, or success. Um, and so, you know, like when somebody gets to that point, right. And, and honestly, most of the people listening to this, it's probably one of those things we need to start looking internally for, because you know, like we talked about before the interview here is a lot of people listening to this have their own company. They've plateaued in their business, but they plateaued because they don't really know how to scale teams yet. They haven't been able to actually grow a team. I've even fallen into this category multiple times. And I think there's just certain, times when, when you have to do internal you know, retrospection on it. So when it comes to you know, self, how do you identify it? And then how do you kind of target it and, and adapt? Yeah, it's a really great question. So if you think that, hey, wait a minute, maybe I've been right a little too many times and um, you know, I'm convincing myself that the outcome is exactly what I wanted, even if it wasn't, um, some of those mind tricks that we play on ourselves to make sure that we are getting our dopamine hit of being so smart and so right. Um, so one of the things you want to start to look for is you know, if you are in a room of people and you ask them their opinion about something and they all look at each other and say nothing, they're waiting for you to tell them how they're supposed to think, then problem. If you go home at the end of the day and you're saying to yourself, you know, my team doesn't know what they're doing. No one knows what I want them to do. And, you know, everyone's disappointing me. Well, it's probably because you have some addiction to being right and people aren't making decisions around you. People aren't giving you honest feedback. And that can be, you know, someone who works for you. It could be a trusted advisor, um, someone that could really help you with your business, but you're so addicted to your own validation, your own being right, that you aren't willing to listen to them. And because of your actions, they've probably shut down and stopped telling you the truth. Um, in fear of, you know, your reaction. And so if any of those things are starting to go on, um, the other thing too, is if you don't go home every day um, at the end of the day and say, I learned this, or I heard this and it changed my opinion, then you're addicted to your own, your own thoughts um, because you're not allowing new ones to come in. And as a business owner, we've got to be letting new ideas come in all day, every day to stay ahead of um, the curve because yeah, it's ever changing world these days. So those are great identifying factors because it almost isn't even looking at yourself. It's looking at the reactions of other people to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and so, you know, like when you identify it, what's, what's kind of your strategy when you, you know, you work with people is something you've done many different times. So when you work with somebody who's got this issue in their business, what is your, your first approach to helping them to overcome that? Yeah. So as any addiction, our first approach is to admit that we have something going on. We've got something that's wrong. Um, and that's always easier said than done. Um, but we do a lot of work. You know, if there's an addiction, you have to be willing to change and people don't give up their addiction unless the pain of the addiction is more than the pain of change. 
And so for those wanting to change, we have to really start to think about what, what's the value of the work because the mind has to get excited about the end result because the work is painful and, you know, not like super painful, but you know, you have to start getting, you know, your ego starts to have to adjust. And for some of us, adjusting our ego is pretty painful, but um, you know, when we say, okay, if I do this work and I humble and I, you know, kind of admit some failures and I open myself up and I change the way I act with people around me, you know, at the end of that, what's possible. And so we really start there about what's possible for you, because if you want that, then you will work towards that. And that's one of the beauties of the mind is that you can, you can offer it new ideas and get it excited about it. To, to building a team the correct way the first time, right? So it's saying, okay, this is how we attack it. This is how we resolve that issue. But as you're, as you're building a team out, how do you help them to feel like they're able to help, you know, critique you or to, um, you know, provide creative ideas to your, your business? Yeah. So one of the things that we have to really think about is how we use our language and the words we're using either put someone into fear um, unconsciously. It's our you know primitive brain takes over. Its job is to make sure we don't die. So it works really hard at that. Um, but what that feels like in the modern world is, uh-oh, if I say the wrong thing, I'm going to lose my job. Uh-oh, if I say the wrong thing, I might not be able to feed my family because I don't have a job or I'm not going to get this promotion. And so the fear starts coming in. Um, so as a leader, we have to really manage our language to make sure that our language is really opening up our prefrontal cortex, which is all collaboration and ideas and learning and all the good stuff we actually want. But our traditional leadership style that we've all kind of grown up with, that 20th century leadership style, actually promotes fear in the language. You know, I'm going to really put pressure on them to make them perform. Well, no, putting pressure on them freaks them out and you're actually being counterintuitive. Um, it's actually counterintuitive. So what we want to do is think about our language. And so you can still say what you need to say, but say it in a different way. So for example, if you um, have a product that's just not doing what it needs to do um, and you, you're incensed about it, you don't understand why, and you know, you've done the work and you believe this and you know, you're kind of in your addiction and so you're not seeing why your product may not be doing well, bring your team in, um, but you have to set it up very specifically. You have to say, all right, product ABC is not doing well. And so we want it to, you know, we want it, we want to get it going. I'm going to have a meeting, you know, this Friday at two o'clock and I want you to bring me the most ridiculous ideas you can come up with. Like ridiculous. And in fact, I'm going to give awards for the most ridiculous idea you bring me. Because what that then tells the mind is I can think and do anything and I'm not going to be judged for it. I'm actually going to be rewarded for the most creative approach instead of getting in trouble and judged. If you'd taken that same team and you'd called and said, you know, I don't know what the problem is. You guys should be selling, pro you know, this product and the numbers are down and I want you in my office on Friday and I want you to tell me what you're going to do to make it change. Same outcome two different ways to approach it. You're going to get two different pieces of information. And so really getting people to be rewarded for pushing the envelope, rewarded for telling the truth, rewarded for thinking outside the box. That's when you start to see those relationships change and the business actually starts to grow. That's a really cool approach because people might come with some super bizarre ideas, but like you say, it kind of trains their brain so that when they can come to you, they, they're saying, hey, here's an actually creative idea that is productive. 
Yeah, that's really cool. Well, so, you know, being somebody, so I, we, we have no full-time employees, right? We, we've done that before, you know, we've had interns or what, what have you, but um, we actually prefer to work through contractors or through agencies, virtual assistants or what have you. So how would you recommend instilling this in these short-term relationships like this or the, the ones where you're not communicating as often? Yeah. And so when you're working with contractors, you're really working with experts in their field. And so, you know, there's a lot of beauty in that and making, and, you know, even companies that have full-time employees, I really always recommend looking for experts in their field and bringing contractors in. They're a great way to bring in expertise. So if you are, you know, like yourself and bringing in a lot of um, different contractors, when you are, deciding who to bring in, the first thing you have to do is get really clear on the actual work you want them to do. And that's the biggest mistake most people make is they're not clear on the work. They just know they need someone in this kind of general area. So they start talking to people, they get emotionally connected to someone and then they hire them and then they're disappointed. And I'm like, well, did, were you clear on the work? This person doesn't even do that, or this isn't their expertise. So get clear on the work first. Then once you hire the expert that is an expert in that area, make sure that you say things to them like, I've hired you because you're an expert. So when you talk to me, I want you to talk to me as if I know nothing because I do want to learn from you. And I want you to be an expert in making decisions that are right for my business. And here's my goals. And here is how I can see, I see you playing into those goals. How can I help you grow as an individual? So you're meeting your goals because a contractor has different goals than an employee. Um, but allowing them and saying up front, you are an expert, therefore I need your expert voice in the room and you have my permission to tell me that my idea is bad, that it doesn't work, that you know it's never been done, but whatever permission, but you do have to give permission to them to be an expert. Well, hey, so, you know, we're coming up to the end of the interview here. So I want to ask you this one last question. If you could give people three solid steps saying, hey, these are the first things that you should be doing when you want to either revamp your team or rebuild your team so that you can, you know, build this out, what would those three steps be? First thing is get clear on the work. And when you get clear on the work, you have to get clear on what's a must to do, what's a nice to do, and what's vanity work. And vanity work is the stuff that makes you feel good that doesn't really matter. And as owners or as executives, we push out a lot of vanity work. <laughs> um, so you have to get clear on the work. Then the second thing is you have to get clear on who you are as a leader so that you can be consistent. And so oftentimes leaders don't even really know um, their values or who they want to be or how they want to, you know, interact with people. And so they're really inconsistent. So the second thing is get consistent on how you want to lead. And the third thing is create an environment where the, everyone's voice is heard no matter what it is because their voice is their reality and it's someone's viewpoint on your business and you have to take that seriously. That is awesome. I'm going to add in a fourth step to that. Okay. Just, just for you, okay? So All right. Step number four is to go and hire through a fullcoaching.com. Call Jennifer. Get, get a, figure out if this is something that could work really well for you guys because this is something that, especially if you've plateaued, it's 99% of the time it's because you're not doing a good job at scaling your team. And if you can scale your team, growing from there gets exponentially more easy. So you know, if you're just starting out, you, Jennifer might not be the right person for you. But if you've really plateaued, she's the place to go. So Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, is there any last final parting piece of guidance that you'd like to give to our audience? 
You know, my advice is to do what you do well every single day and then hire experts around you to do the other stuff. So often business owners are trying to, oh, I'll just figure that out and do it myself. Don't do that. Hire an expert, stay in your zone of genius. Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. 